This episode of the Flush Podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, Federal Ammunition, Waltons, Nutrisource Pet Foods, Aluma Trailers, North Dakota Tourism, and Grain Belt Beer. I'm currently sitting in the Birds, Booze, and Buds Bird Hunting Man Cave in Western North Dakota. Tyler Webster and I just wrapped up another incredible hunt, and we figured we might as well sit down and tell you all about it. A toast to the hunters from your friends at Grain Belt. May the mornings be clear and the fresh air be crisp. May you find solace in the silence. May the stillness settle your soul. May your long shots stay true. May your heart roam free. May you find what you seek in the fields you stock. May your call to the wild be answered. And at the end of the day, may you share in the thrill of the hunt with your friends. So here's to the eight pointers and the 12 ounces. Here's to you and to your thirst for adventure. Bring Grain Belt to the outdoors with our limited edition premium hunting season pack. This season, enter to win a hunting trip for two to Brown's Hunting Lodge, wherever you can find premium 12 and 24 pack cans. For more information, visit our website at grainbelt.com forward slash hunting dash trip. Welcome to another episode of the Flush Podcast and the Birds, Booze, and Buds Podcast. Yeah, we figured we might as well do a tandem here. We now. might as well. How are you feeling this morning? I'm feeling really good, actually. Yeah. I, and it's not raining nearly as much as they were forecasting. Mm-hmm. We could have hunted this morning. We could be hunting right we, now. We could be. Yep. But Instead, some people stayed up a little bit late. We did. Yeah. I think uh, George, I finally just had to tell George, I'm going to bed. Uh, how many final finals did he say? Three or four. Uh, <laughs> it was a final, 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 I believe. Right. Uh, but I went to bed at 2 a.m. And uh-huh. he was still going to, he was still finishing his cocktail and he was going to go and grab a shower. And I was like, Mm-mm, none of that's happening to me. <laughs> no, nope. hard pass on all that. Oh, I think it was 1.30-ish for me. So Yeah, it was it's, late. It's, it was been, late. Uh, it's been a, a journey. It has been a week. Uh, there's just too much to talk about right now. If we decided to go out, I mean, I think Daisy would go. Look at her over here. I, She's just all curled up on the couch looking just cute as could be. Uh-huh. But in her heart of hearts, she's thinking, I could go find a covey of hunts. Let's, I know where they live because I used to live last, here. Let's go for yeah. one last rip. Yeah. She, I'd, it'd be kind of funny to see her just go and look in her old spots that she used to look when she was a puppy because she had a little milk route built around here that, that <laughs> summer that she was here before you picked her up. Can you describe that milk? Like how how far that route wrap it wasn't super super big but she'd uh she'd run over by the by the driveway and the caraganda bushes uh hot spot mm-hmm. uh, you know obviously and then she'd go around the north side of the barn and then she'd go over to the fence over here on the on the east side and she'd go all the way down to the bush and she'd run along that back fence and then she'd run all the way up along that other edge and she usually ended up finding a couple coveys of huns before she got done oh my goodness i love it so much I mean, there was a moment yesterday We'll, we'll break down a lot of what we saw, what we learned. You're going to want to put a North Dakota trip on your list this year. You just have to. Yeah. I mean, when the Game and Fish comes out and they say that the Hun numbers are tied with an all-time high dating mm-hmm. back to 1992, which I've talked about on so many podcasts, but I mean, those were the good old days. So I, I started hunting in 1991. I was eight. And in 1992, I remember... That, that's when I was talking about there was a hun covey on every corner of a wheat field. We're there. Mm-hmm. We're there right now. Yep. I've seen it with my own eyes. I can confirm. Yeah. Uh, but what I was going to say is <laughs> she's 
we, we stopped for a little bit and just like tried to oh my god tried to wrap our head around it and she just sat down and she just stared she just looked over she looked prairie. so stoic yeah she just looked uh she just looked longingly at the prairie like dad i just i could go mm-hmm. or we could just move here I either know. one well i have been looking online yeah i know <laughs> and i looked I know. at houses for sale out here my wife is already in so we might be neighbors pretty soon, bud. I could I could do worse for uh for for neighbors, you know. <laughs> yeah. We could we'll uh we'll have Sunday dinner, we'll rotate between places. Mm-hmm. So this is for my listeners. Um this week actually, I believe we're going to be able to get this out here. Um we are hosting a live podcast at the Bear Cave Brewing. Oh. In Hopkins, Minnesota. So much fun. September 28th at 7 p.m. Bring your bring your bird hunting buddies, bring your wife, bring your kids bring your dog because we're going to record on the patio and it's a really cool place. If, if you didn't come out and join us for any of the live shows last year, uh, you would probably want to come out this year. It's it, they've got, I like, it looks kind of like your setup here with all the different taps, you know? Yeah, for <laughs> and, sure. <laughs> and, but anyway, you just, you scan a card and you use self-serve. They've got like a hundred different beers on tap. Oh, it's wild. And yeah. So we're looking forward to that, that, like I said, September 28th, 7 PM. Bear Cave Brewing in Hopkins, Minnesota. Hope to see you out there. Okay, back to our... We did that first live podcast down in Omaha mm-hmm. at the at Pheasant Fest a couple years ago at the brewery down there. It was so much fun, man. It, it is. It was a good it's, time. It's fun to see people that come out and that have the stories to share, you know? And it's, for like, for us, it's kind of inspiring, I guess, to keep going, our motivation. And I'll say, last night after the hunt, we went to... What's the name of your pub? Uh, the Leader Bar. The Leader Bar. And saw a couple guys wearing some bird hunting hats. Yeah, yeah we saw a, we saw a Final Rise hat and mm-hmm. some other stuff in and there. A blaze orange hat. A blaze orange hat. Walked over and said, introduced ourselves, and they were just the nicest guys. Yeah. And they just told us how much they've taken away from your podcast. From and our, your podcast yeah, and TV and the, show. And the yeah. TV shows. And, and they said, we are out here hunting right now because of you. And I guess that um, it means a lot, you know. It and, does, and it never gets old. I mean, like, I, it's happened to me already several times this season with, you know, I mean, everybody kind of knows Stanley, where I live. Um, it, it's it's a good area, but people mm-hmm. uh, that, that are willing to drive like those guys did, it was three brothers. One of them was from Virginia, one of them was from Kentucky, and the other one's living in Indiana, and they all just road-tripped up here with two dogs and, and camped and everything else. It's pretty cool. Yeah, Josh Harbolt was the name of one of them, and I, I don't remember his brother's names. Do you remember? I don't, no. Anyway, just... My brain was fried by the time we got done hunting yesterday. Yeah, but just a, just a big thanks to Josh. If, if you're listening, yeah. you and your brothers, it was a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for introducing yourself. I've, I've met quite a few people already out in the field this year too and i just i love the the camaraderie the the community it's it's a wonderful place to be we try to provide information i guess and entertainment and a little bit of uh, don't do this maybe sure sure <laughs> we learned the hard way but to see a couple of a uh, couple guys that have never been out here before and mm-hmm. they you know they watched our videos and they listened to the podcasts and what we're talking about and they went out and they figured it out on their own that's a cool part that's that's so that's so cool because sometimes we'll get messages and pe- people basically want to put the bird in a bush for you almost right, right right in front of them and the fact that that's not how it works so, and it's not 
every 20 yards and no. it may look like it when you break down it um, was every 20 yards it was, yesterday, it was yesterday yeah, but, but typically when we break down a show into you know these five minute segments and it sure looks like there's a lot of action yeah but that takes days for us to sometimes sure. acquire that sure. and to, to capture it so it takes miles and it miles does. i and, mean you know we did really well this week but mm-hmm. we still walked nine plus miles both days um i mean we put on the last I, two days we put nine miles. i didn't even look at my I, I ended up with twenty thousand steps in yesterday by the end of the day but when we got done i was at like 18 okay so i mean that's nine miles mm-hmm. i run about two thousand steps a mile and it was right at the almost the exact same the first day uh so you know i don't know how many miles daisy ran yesterday 30 i think it was like just a quarter mile shy of 30 and i ran i ran uh CJ did 15 on the first one and Jesse did 10 on the second. Uh, and so, I mean, the dogs are going to be covering a lot of miles. We're going to be covering a lot of miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, is what I love is that there's always that one walk or two walks where you just, you just get into them. Mm-hmm. And so like both, both end of the day walks were both like that. Um, the first walk or the last walk on the first night, we ended up getting into a bunch of birds. And the last walk yesterday, we ended up getting into a bunch of birds. But in the first two walks, there was a lot of miles in between birds, before, yeah. you know, in between contacts. Yep, so, for sure. But that's okay. It I is. Mean, like, like, it makes it, it, like, I, I would actually prefer it that way. It, it's, honestly, like, the walk yesterday got a little chaotic. Yeah. Uh, just because. Afternoon or morning? The afternoon one. Oh, yeah. J- just that. because we literally, we had four dogs in the field. We had Daisy. I had my puppy, Jess, out. Uh, George had his old dog Tucker and his little cocker, mm-hmm. and there was no five minute break in between birds. Three but, minutes, maybe. Right. So I mean, the the walk in the morning that we had, you kind of get to feel the pace of it. Um, you know, like you're just we're walking out there. We got our guns broke over our shoulders. We're mm-hmm. sitting there. We're, you know, giving each other a hard time, and we're watching the dogs in this really big, beautiful piece of property that's plots land open to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you kind of. It's just it's relaxing. It's like watching uh it's like watching poetry. And George calls it poetry in motion. That's right. Yeah. And and it's beautiful. It is. It is. Uh but we also really like those ones where it gets a little chaotic and mm-hmm. there and we just it's like ah, at the end of it cuz I mean you just need a you need to take a breath because you've been basically holding your breath the entire time waiting for something to happen. We were going from a dog on point to a dog on point to a dog on point to birds getting up between dogs on point to trying to capture everything. The cameraman afterwards he's like Poor Lance, man. <laughs> That's the most <laughs> insane thing. So okay, I a few weeks ago on on our show here I explained kind of my top five places that I would want to go hunting if I could just pick somewhere in the Midwest here. And North Dakota was number one, but it was funny because South Dakota got bumped down the list for the reasons I explained. And this, this, this hunt here really explains or, you know, like confirms that to me. Yesterday we're walking into this, this cover. We have, Daisy on point. We have a, a Jesse on point. Yep. We have a Tucker on point. All within 50 yards yeah. of each other. And they're all on different birds. And they were all pointing different birds, but different and species. species. Of birds. Yeah. Seven pheasants got up in front of Daisy's point. Yep. Seven. There was a covey of sharptails that got up off of Jesse to my right. Yep. And Tucker was pointing Huns, yep. if I remember. Yep. 
yeah, it was it was madness. Madness. It was just madness. It was madness. Yeah, it was chaos. Yes. Oh. And I mean, the cool thing is, and one of the things I like hunting about you, and this is the first time I've got to hunt with George, but I, you know, we we were experienced enough where nobody shot any hens. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, everybody was safe with their guns. I never had to worry about my dog, you know, because when it gets that chaotic like that, there's birds going out everywhere. If you're hunting with, like, it's nice to hunt with people that you know. Trust. Are, yeah, that you trust and that you know aren't going to, you know, take that wild shot with a dog going over top of the hill. Because when you have four dogs in the ground, there's a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. And, I mean, Jesse's only a year old, so, I mean, like, your dog, Daisy, she's she's pretty darn steady through the flush and, and to the shot. Um, I, I mean, think, I think she lost a little bit of that this week because there was just so much going she on did. and with other dogs before I left home, I had been working with her. We've been running out on some, uh, WMAs in Minnesota that have pheasants and they're wild birds. And I had the cap gun and I'm just setting her up through the shot, everything. But when it's just that much going on and we're shooting and birds are dropping and other dogs are coming through, I mean, it just changes the whole scenario a little bit. And it's almost a touch unrealistic to expect them. I mean, you're a lot more calm when you're out there on the WMA with a cap gun too. And they they can feed off everybody else's energy. So, I mean, my gun's going off. George's gun's going off. We're all, we got dogs going that are moving uh, at all times, especially with the little cocker out there in the field. That's, that's what she's there for, is to be moving all the time. Mm-hmm. If we had a pedometer on little Minnie yesterday, she did 100,000 steps <laughs> in the one walk. I mean, <laughs> those, those, little those little legs were just ripping. Oh, I love her but, so much. Oh, she's just such a great little dog. Um, but... It's just kind of unrealistic to set those expectations. Like, is what my buddy Justin McGrail always says: is train to sixty percent, or train sixty percent more than what you'd be happy with in the field, or something like that. I mean, the numbers might be wrong, but is what like the point of it is: is train that dog so that it's it's a hundred percent steady through the flush and everything else. And if it's going to backslide a little bit in the field on you, just because there is going to be some chaos. I mean, if you want a dog that's a hundred percent broke through every single wild bird. Boy, I mean, like, I'm, I know that they're out there, but I mean, they're mm-hmm. one in one in ten thousand dogs, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, look at look what the cat is about. Oh to drag boy! All right, here. here he comes. Here comes the the man, the myth, the legend, the man of the hour. Here he yeah. comes sneaking in. Hey, good morning, sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> We're the only ones mic'd up. That's uh, yeah. Let's let's get into what we can kind of help people with as far as how things change throughout the day. Let's do sharp-tailed grouse. Let's also do Hungarian partridge, and then we can talk pheasants too. But sure, um, let's. Where do you want to go? Sharp-tailed or, fe- or uh, hunts first? Well, they're both going to be a little bit the same. But uh, let's start with sharp-tails. Okay. Um, so that that's where we started our walk yesterday. It was a big walk specifically for sharp-tails. I think in the field about ten fifteen ten thirty, and that's pretty close to the right time. Um, so as what ends up happening, and we even seen it yesterday, the birds were still feeding mm-hmm. in the morning. So as what that means, they can be feeding in the prairie. They're still harder to approach. Uh, it does, it's not just because they're not there, even though we did move some birds that came up out of the wheat field. Out of the grass. Yep. Yeah. And the wheat. Yeah. Yep. And so those birds are alert. Um, Daisy had a point on a group of birds that you could, you could literally see their heads. Yep. Um, like they're, they're, when they're feeding, Everything's trying to eat them. So hawks uh, and avian predators are the big ones. 
So they know that they're exposed. They're just, they're alert. They're, they're, they're just kind of on guard. And if they see you, the game's over. Uh, even on these fairly early season birds, um, they're, they're just, they're going to go. And if one of them goes and there's 10 of them there, they're all going to go because they know that something that one of them seen something that's trouble. And as the day goes on, after they get done feeding, they start to get into some of the thicker uh, patches of like snowberries, some of the thicker grasses uh, out there. And they'll kind of just hunker in and nest down. And like, it's just like us after we have Thanksgiving meal, right? Like Mm -hmm. we want to sit in our recliner, you know, they're the exact same way. So they get done feeding in the morning and then they kind of take a breath and they kind of hunker down. And that's when you're going to get those really, really nice solid points. And you're going to get that good dog work because they're not on guard. Well, and on top of that, you might be walking some really good property or some really good habitat. They're just not there yet. Some, uh, some of them aren't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if they're out into the, into, there, there was a covey that flew. All of a sudden, we're like, they flew bomb. over they top flew of from us. behind us over yeah. us. I look up and I'm like, oh, Sharpie. And yeah. then I look to my right, seven more come yeah. soaring by. Yep. They were just out feeding. Yeah. They were out in that wheat field and they were mm-hmm. coming back into to roost. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's going to be kind of the same thing in the evenings as well. Uh, those birds are going to be just a touch more alert. They're going to be out in that thinner cover. They're going to be picking, uh, and the, the main fo- uh, food that those sharp tails are eating right now. And yes, there are some out in the wheat field. They're still eating grasshoppers cause we haven't had a frost yet. It's oh, I opened up the crop last night and it was grasshopper. Rose hips, rose hips and, and snowberries, snowberries yep. all in the, and then a little bit of grass too. Yep. But yeah, they, they had all of the right. food sources in there at the same time. Right. And so th- they kind of get to pick and choose what they want to eat right now because there's just a, a bounty on the prairie out there. They can eat whatever the heck they want. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, let's also mention too, George said this that I think is worth mentioning. George that we're talking about is George Lyle. And he's been with us now for the last week. And if you listen to the last episode, George and I just came back from Alberta. But um, the areas that have dandelions. Yeah, he said that to me. Sharp-tailed grouse love dandelions. So if you see a hillside that has dandelions, he's like, go right at it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We don't have a lot of those fields here. He was talking about like south and west of the river it sounded mm-hmm. like there's a lot more of that south stuff dakota yeah yep. south dakota um here it's primary forage i mean if you're walking through a piece of prairie we talked about it yesterday on the walk um you you should be looking for a bunch of different colors on the landscape it shouldn't look just like tan crp grass mm-hmm. we did flush some birds out of there um but is what you're looking for is you're looking for the green grasses, the prairie grass, you're looking for the little round patches of snowberries, you're looking for rose hips, the little little red grape size balls of fruit mm-hmm. on the ground. And if you're seeing that, you're in the right space. And the other thing that you're really looking for is the in the fields that you're gonna get the best dog work on, the the grass is I, I refer to it as thick like carpet. Like when you step on it, there's a little bit of cushion there. There's some give because it's that native prairie grass that's never been broken. I mean, it's it's sod. Yeah. And if you can find it, you want it less than knee high. I was going to say, I think a real key point here. Is Shin high for me, knee high for you. <laughs> Waist high for me. <laughs> it's not too tall. Right. Most really good sharp till or prairie chicken hunters will tell you that that thick cover, that really tall grass, they're just not in it. Right. And, and they're, they're, they do that because they want to see you coming. Right. 
And the other thing that we need to talk about with sharp tails is wind. Wind. Yep. How the wind affects them and and where they're going to move on a windy day compared to a calm day. They were so predictable yesterday. Oh, I mean, I mean 100%. We, we, you and I looked at that spot. We're like, there, there should be there, some there should right be birds there. there. And almost every time yep. there were birds there. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be on the downwind side of the ridges and mm-hmm. in little bowls. Uh, so they they like a spot that they can see from, but they also like to be out of the wind so they can hear. So um, the top thirds of these of these ridge lines are going to be your are going to be your money makers, and any place that you can find uh, just a little depression or a little draw that runs through the through the prairie, get down there. They like to be out of the wind, and I mean it really does cancel out a lot of country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we didn't. It wasn't super windy yesterday by any stretch. It was actually kind of a perfect day. I don't think we could have I mean, had a better day. You want a little wind? There was there was enough moisture in the air. Yep. It rained the night before, so things had. There was the birds. The dogs were smelling the birds up to a hundred plus yards away. I would say for sure. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if it was dead calm out there, you're gonna end up bumping a lot more birds just because the dogs don't have anything in their favor. I mean, like the, every the odds are just kind of stacked against them. Plus, the birds can be any place. So, I mean, the wind was blowing probably, what, 15 yesterday, something like that? I would say not even. Yeah, 10 to 15. I mean, somewhere in there. Uh, But even that little bit of wind was enough to push them to the downwind sides of the hills. And we could just focus on that. And, I mean, you know, uh, the rest is history, really. Yeah. Um, The the covey sizes were perfect. Yeah. Four to seven birds, I would say, on average for the sharp tails. Yeah. How long before you start seeing them really group up out here? Once it gets cold. So we've been kind of unseasonably warm, really. I mean, not unseasonably, I guess. I mean, it it stayed last weekend. It it was very warm. Mm -hmm. Uh, The day that you guys got here, you guys didn't get in until super late on Tuesday. But Tuesday day, it was like 90 degrees, 85 degrees. terrible. It was. I mean, I, I didn't hunt Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday last week because it was I mean, by the time like nine o'clock in the morning got yeah, here, which by was, the way, you're falling apart, man. I know this whole 150 days a year thing isn't happening I d- when I you're sitting it. there working the mail route. No, I, I, I know TV. I'm the hardest working guy in politics. I tell you. <laughs> What's your goal this year? How many days do you plan on hunting? I mean, I haven't had a, a season in the last ten years that I haven't hunted at least 120. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of my happy spot. I mean, by the end of last season, I did 149 days last year and went from. Alaska to the Mexican border, and I was wrecked by the end of the season. I mean, yeah, you're like, not a spring chicken anymore. No, you know? I, I mean, mean you're, like we're going to be 40. 40. Yeah, yeah. Jeepers. Um, yeah, you too, you have, old I, man. Hey, thanks. Uh, Do you have big plans for your 40th? Uh, I'm going to hunt Mern's quail. Are you? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, right. Well, you're a Christmas baby. Christmas baby. So yeah. I'll be in Arizona. Um, and it, you know, I I think that the 120 days is just a nice place where it's still. Like it doesn't become a grind. It you know last season kind of became a grind. Yeah. Um. Which, I mean, first world problems. I mean, there's not there's not, nobody listening is feeling. Sorry there's for not you a right lot of now. people so out there that that are that are that would that don't get excited about hunting more. But you know, when it's ninety degrees outside, I don't want to run my dogs. I mean, like even by seven o'clock or eight o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning, like we were talking about the birds. They're jumpy then anyways. Mm-hmm. It's not you're not gonna get a lot of a lot of good contacts. Um, so it's like when well, then by ten when it is starting to get good, it's already seventy five. Yeah. And it, the bird the dogs are burnt up in a half hour run. 
Well, it is, um, let's see, where are we at here? We're like the last 10 days of September. Yep. And the best of what you have out here is to come. For sure. Uh, we talked about it yesterday, uh, you and I, when we're driving, like we talk about everything in life. But just that once pheasant season opens here, I mean, had we been able to shoot pheasants yesterday oh we could have shot and we could have shot you know like three dogs on point right there we could have just been boom 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 sharpies huns and pheasants between the three of us would have been just piled i i think i think there's a real possibility that both of the last two days we would have killed a limit of pheasants um in that that last walk of the day oh for sure because we had we pulled the dogs out of the thick draws to work the tops yeah exactly and to keep them out of the thick cover yeah. and we even without sending dogs i mean obviously they're going to run in there at some points and we saw a lot of pheasants yeah uh we didn't target those particular places where the we, pheasants are likely going to be we hanging. weren't hunting pheasant we were pheasanty spots yes um i mean there is some overlap between specifically pheasants and huns um whereas the pheasants are like you were saying they're going to be down in the thicker part of draws down in the bottoms the mm-hmm. huns are going to be on the side hills mm-hmm. predominantly and in the bushes and um, the sharpies are typically going to be on the tops on yeah the yeah tops. yep yeah and for somebody that we talked about this to distinguish on a flush between a, a sharp tail and a hen pheasant yeah you you explained it pretty well and yeah. and it's funny actually it i don't is. know if you can describe it in words though yeah i, I, I could think you imagine tyler doing it in yeah, person right, right. Yeah. uh so sharp tails kind of fly with their whole body especially when they take off so when they come out of the grass first of all the first thing you want to listen for is a chuckle because sharp tails give us an example <laughs> Some people and, think, oh, right. think they're laughing at yeah. you. Yeah. They basically sound like a damn chicken. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so when they get up, they're almost 100% of the time going to make that noise. Pheasants, especially hen pheasants, quiet. You just hear wings, right? And roosters occasionally cackle, but that's a totally different. I'm not trying to do that one. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, I, I feel so rare for roosters to cackle anymore. Yeah, What's going on with I that? I don't know. They're They're... It's rude, really, because uh, I love the pheasant cackle when they get up, especially when Is that a game farm thing? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it, uh, it does seem like, I mean, they definitely do it more if you're going to go and shoot preserved birds than the wild ones. But mm-hmm. uh, there's, it's a cool sound. It is. Um, yeah. But when, when sharp tails get up, they, and when I, what I mean by they fly with their whole body is when they get up, their entire body and with their wings is tilting back and forth mm-hmm. and then coast. So with pheasants, their body's pretty stable, and it's just their wings going. Like, after you see it, it's, it's so easy to discern the differences. Right. And there's, you know, uh, but the, the big thing, the big tell, telltale sign is listen for the laugh. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen for that cluck. So this, this point scenario that we keep talking about, three dogs on point and birds of every species coming yeah. up, we had seen so many sharp tails and it was just kind of like forgot for a split second that i could have a pheasant flush out here so seven birds get up at the same time mm-hmm. just like yeah. a covey of sharp tails but it was a bouquet which by the way that's a real thing a bouquet of pheasants that's right yeah so the pheasants get up and i shoulder my gun and i go no in my head and then like 
We watched back some of the videos. Yeah, your, you your see, hands up. I, I put a stop sign yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like you were directing traffic out was, there. You're like, nope, nope, we're not dealing with you. <laughs> you not do those ones. And then over my shoulder to the other side, you just see the sharp tails yep. getting up. And yep. I don't know how we're going to fit everything into the episode. That's I, always a problem. Every, uh, time that, every time we're together, because, I mean, like everybody has their own favorite moments mm-hmm. uh, of, of every particular hunt. But when you and I get together and you throw George into the mix, um, there's just, there's too many to pick. I think we're going to call this episode Legends of the Fall. I love that. Yeah, but I mean, it's been used plenty of times. And the reason why, I think I'll name it that, in our in our media system, we have to try to come up with unique names for everything. Sure. Because when we go back and search, I can't say North Dakota. Sure. Pheasants or whatever, because right. how many times is that going to play out again? So I have to come up with something unique. And the reason I went that is, because the first night, yeah, we did a legends walk. It was so cool. It was so cool. Yeah, uh, I, my old dog uh, Rusty. He had his uh, his tenth birthday on September 11th, and George's dog Boone is also ten, or almost eleven, or something like yep. that. And between, I'm not saying that they're the most experienced wild bird dogs in the country, but they're in the top ten. Uh, I mean, very like, like yep. these two dogs spend a lot of time in the field. They've they've hunted from coast to coast and border to border. Yeah, north uh, of the border, north even. of the border, even. Yeah, mm-hmm. and man, it was those two dogs had never hunted together. Me and George had never hunted together, but it was just like putting on a pair of like a, a pair of comfy socks. I mean, like as soon as you as soon as you let the dogs go, they both it was just like kinda, it was like hot dish. Yeah. <laughs> it was just comfort food. Yeah. It was I mean, so like, good. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you guys are a couple of legends too. You yeah. know, uh, we got some I experience. can say that to you. We got some And experience. I can say that to George too. You're sure. not going to say it about yourself, but it was two dogs that when it was such a relaxing walk. Oh. Like you mentioned. Like, I mean, like the dogs, as soon as we got into the field, they both, you could see them. They're walking on heel for a second. They both kind of like looked at the, at the field that we were walking. They're like, target acquired. All right. And off they went. Yeah. And I mean, there was, it's such a stark contrast between that and then hunting with young dogs that are kind of inexperienced. So George has got another young dog, Rip. Um, we hunted uh, him and Bo and Daisy together on the first walk. And it was, in, it, again, an incredible walk just because, you know, the dogs were, were doing their thing. But it's just different when you have dogs that are that seasoned and have that kind of experience. They when they come up to a place that they're expecting birds that they've learned through thousands and thousands of wild birds being flushed in front of them, they slow down. They're always on the right side of the wind on every objective. Yep. And like neither, again, neither dog had ever hunted with each other, but I was never concerned about them not backing each other. Mm -hmm. Like talk or uh, Boone found a bird, rusty backed. rusty found a a bird, Boone backed. I mean, it was just, you can't ask for anything more than that. The only problem is, is that they're 10 and we can't run them like we can the other dogs. I mean, like it, it's a little bit like, you know, you need to use a, uh, a finishing hammer instead of a sludge hammer. Right. I mean, you need mm-hmm. to use, you need to use your brain a little bit and try to kind of pick and choose the pieces of cover that you want to hunt with them because they just don't have the stamina that they used to. It was a short walk by our, our standards, standards, but yeah. um, it was, a bird rich walk again yeah. pheasants i don't know if we had any sharp tails but the huns we, were th- there was a lot of huns in there. i mean i yeah. i it really i expected there to be a lot of 
Hungarian partridge, just based on what you said and what I've seen in the past, it far exceeded that. And I'm yeah. not, I'm not so exaggerating. J- just, uh, I, I definitely we we have to get back to talking about the the movement of the hunts throughout mm-hmm. the day. But before we do that, there was the last bird of the night that I shot. It kind of did the whole dying quail thing and went up on top of a hill. Mm-hmm. This is how many hunts there were. It died somewhere in the middle of a live covey. Yep. That, that that's that's no joke. Yep. Like we walked up there and we're lur- we're looking for this down bird, and another bird gets up, <laughs> and it's like, is, is that, that the it? one? And then another bird gets up, and we're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, no, no, no. Like this yep. bird just happened to to coast into another covey of birds that was two hundred yards away. Mm-hmm. Like we had we we had no idea that they were there. That bird had no idea that they were there. But there was just that many birds there that it just happened to fall amongst friends. I guess. Yeah. The flush. So fast, it hardly seems real. So vivid, the moment freezes in time before erupting in a blur of spurs and feathers. It's why we changed the way upland loads are built with Prairie Storm. Exclusive flight control FlexWad technology and a mix of copper-plated lead and flight stopper pellets combine to create dense, deadly shot strains through any choke. Longer shots, more power, fewer missed birds. Only from Federal. Now is a great time to make the most of all that tasty meat you harvested. Maybe it's time to try a new recipe, sprinkle on a new seasoning, or make your own jerky and sausage. Trust me, it's not that hard to do, and it can be fun for the whole family. It doesn't matter what you harvested or what you want to prepare with it. Walton's has you covered. Walton's has everything but the meat. That's their motto. Walton's.com has everything, and I mean everything you need to process and prepare your meat. Plus, they have an online community called Meatgistics that's full of recipes and meat processing information. The sky's the limit, my friends. You don't have to be a pro to cook like one. Head to Waltons.com today and enjoy meat processing season. Thankfully, it's a season that never ends. A healthy dog is a happy dog, and a dog's optimal health ultimately starts with an optimal diet. That's why I trust Nutrisource Performance Dog Food to keep Daisy healthy and running to her full potential. Nutrisource now has a full circle feeding plan that can help your dog achieve their full potential too. The full circle feeding plan revolves around their entire lineup of Nutrisource dog foods that contain their good for life system. The Nutrisource good for life system is packed with probiotics, prebiotics, and proprietary minerals that work together to support your dog's heart health and gut health. By combining this system and all of their dry foods and wet foods, you can rotate carbs and proteins like chicken, beef, fish, and lamb to meet and exceed your dog's needs and accelerate their natural desire to eat. Plus, their toppers like kombucha add even more health benefits for our dogs. Learn more about Nutrisource dog foods and the benefits of their full circle feeding plans at NutrisourcePetFoods.com. So to, to wrap up the Legends walk, I mean, it, I basically kind of just took myself back out of it. I grabbed a second camera and just tried to capture a different perspective than Lance was trying to capture right. his and just to really enjoy watching you guys do your thing. I didn't pull the trigger. And it was just really... like relaxing or you know we said poetry in motion like that's what it was watching just a couple of studs out there doing their thing well and the other nice thing and the dogs were doing their thing right and the other nice thing about hunting with somebody like well well, like yourself as well but and and george you're in the right position because you know that the dogs are on birds 
but you are kind of expecting where the birds are at in aspect to the dog. So like there was one particular moment on that walk where uh, we're out in the middle of a stubble field, Boone's on point and Rusty's on the other side pointing at Boone backing. Well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out where those birds are at. Mm -hmm. But George walks in on the right. I walk in on the left. I take the bird that goes off to the left. He takes a bird that goes off to the right. We got two birds down on the ground. Mm -hmm. But with people that don't really understand what's going on, instead of walking the way that we did, where we kind of, he goes, walks up kind of towards Rusty. I walk up kind of towards Boone. And we're not walking, like, coming from the back of the dog, walking at the other one. Yep. Which people, people do that often and it's just kind of a mistake i mean the, yeah. the dogs knew where we were at they knew where the birds were at i knew where george was going to be i knew or he knew where i was going to be one of the most beautiful things yesterday so we have two we're out on the big rolling massive yep. prairie flats and hills and my my buzz goes off and i'm like up oh, i got a point and you're like up oh, cj's got a point over here <laughs> and it took <clears throat> based on the distance it took about five minutes to get to Daisy. Sure. Um, that's how far away she was. And when we got there, it was George was on my left. And we come up over the top, and I can see, first you see just the white tip of right. the tail right. up in the air on the horizon. and But the way the wind was blowing, I knew that she had the bird pinned between us. Right. So she, and she's still a young dog, but she's got a lot of birds she's under seasoned. her. Yeah. Yep. And for her, and we talk about this every once in a while, those those snapshots that she is taking in. Yep. She has stood there. I mean, think like a dog. Are they coming? <laughs> yeah. You know? Like right, I haven't right. moved in five minutes. And right. dog in in the and dog in the years, miles, it's a dog, it's a month. It's yeah. a month. She yeah. hasn't moved. And right. she's probably wondering, should I just go take care of this myself? You I know? can catch this I, bird. I think I can get this yeah. one. And yeah. if she did it without us even she was so far if, away if that we took, might not have even known. If she took a step. Yeah. That bird because was because it was it was about Six inch tall, really thin cover. Right on the right on the downwind side of a hill, right there on the yes. right on the crest. So we walk in and she's staring right forward at me. George is to my left. She can like with her eyes, you know she's looking like, okay, here they come. Mm -hmm. All right, this is happening. We flush that bird. Right. Boom. Bird goes down and she runs over and gets it. I have to wonder what's going on in that dog's mind. Like, sure. that's the way it's supposed to go, yep. boys. That is how it's supposed to Boy, go. Boy, that was perfect. Let's right. do it again. I think that they're doing this, the, the same things going through their mind that's going through our mind. Yeah. That was awesome. That was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> Best know? day ever. Right. Yeah. Unless that bird flies away, then they're saying different things that are mm -hmm. that are too explicit for Which this podcast. Which we want to do someday. Oh, we laugh about this so all the time. Fun. But it would be so fun to put together an, an episode, TV yep. show. And then each you take one of your yeah. dogs, I take mine, George takes his, and we we talk as if we are we the dogs. We narrate, we narrate the dogs. The dogs. Yeah. I so, think that would be the best episode I, I think, ever made. I, I think so too. But Lance brought up a really cool idea last night. That I mean, now with the technology that's out there with GoPros and stuff like mm -hmm. that, you could put a GoPro. They make a GoPro saddle for the back of the dogs, right? And have them kind of running through there with the video stabilization. Now it wouldn't make you sick like it used to. Yep. But then, you know, you could have them, oh, my God, this is the best day ever. Oh, uh, uh, oh God, there's birds. Got to stop. Oh, here he comes. Here he comes. <laughs> he, comes. he missed it again. He missed it again. Oh, I can't God, believe, why did he send that guy? Send, yeah. the, send the other one <laughs> yeah, in. The, the cowboy hasn't hit anything all day. Send he the sends big him one on in. my birds. Yeah. Why could he go to the other? 
But like, would it be a soft, oh. a tender? Oh, I, Dad, I just love you so much. Thanks for bringing me out here. That would be rusty. Yeah, that'd be rusty. That would oh, be Dad, rusty. You're, you're just the best. D- Daisy the best. would be like, "Why are we sitting again?" Yeah, you guys stop all the time. Oh, Why are you stopping? Like, Let's I'm go. not tired. Hey, look over there. There's another there's hill. Birds there. I think there's something on the it other side of that hill. Cracked me up so much yeah. last night. I mean, we needed to sit down just for our mental, for, her for, sake. for our mental yeah. sake, but really for Minnie. Because that poor little dog, her tongue was hanging about a yard out of her mouth, and she was just gassed and having the time of her life. But yeah. I was like, George, and and his old dog, Tucker, who's 12 or whatever he is, it's like, man, let's just take a second, kind of soak it all in. We're in a really pretty place. Let's set the dogs down. Daisy sat with her back to us, mm-hmm. just staring out at every place that she, she's like, well, I think there's birds there. Mm-hmm. I think there's birds there. I think there's birds there. Dad keeps on yelling at me to sit down. Like, what the what the hell are we doing I here? Never are we, are we, I never right, tell her to sit. I never tell her to sit, but right. she does. Yeah. Uh, just, but, uh, j- j- she, it's it's. I it's, got a video of it. I'll post yeah. the video at some point it, because it's, it's too cute not to. It like, is. She's just thinking, this is where I was meant to be. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, like she like, had to. In you her can mind have some cheesy thinking, music going on yeah. in the background. You know, don't take me home. Dad. <laughs> right, right. I, this is where I want to be yeah. forever. So before we get. Way too far off topic. Let's go Which, back. Oh, let's. But the dog narration. Oh, it's got to happen. It, yeah. But it also, I like when you look at the dogs, you know, the things that we do in mm-hmm. the way that they look at you without any facial expressions like we have. Right. It looks like they're swearing at you all the time. They have. And uh, so we would have to beep out a lot of things. Sure. Sure. In order so to be accurate. I, I say that I, I say this with all. all, all right. I say this with all the love. Uh, I love CJ to death. But she has a little case of resting bitch face. Like she just kind of like like when she's in the kennel, she's always giving you side eye. Uh, if if you miss a bird, real side eye. Yeah. I mean, you know. And so she when when dogs do have expressions, and and hers is just kind of like hmm. hmm, like like she looks like she looks like somebody that's there. She's always a little critical. Uh, she's <laughs> like, Dad, you can get here faster. Yeah, I got here real fast. Can't you run? I think you could. You, you know? are so slow, Dad. Yeah, yeah. You are so yeah. slow. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, we hundred percent have to do that. I think it would be super funny. Uh, it, it, there'd have to be a lot of swearing. <laughs> there would be a lot of beep. Yep. Okay, let's get to the Hans because yeah. they are a bird that I've really spent. Well, I love the birds. You yeah. love the birds. We both put them in our top two, probably of favorite birds. Definitely the, the flush of the covey, the explosion. We saw a super cover. it was it was 30 birds i mean it in, was in one bush it was so much that right. it was they went over our head they went away they went to the right they went to the left yeah typically you're going to get an explosion and if it's a dozen birds they're all going to go pretty much together kind of the same direction sometimes they'll split um but in that that one explosion to have 30 in every direction, and maybe more. Like I, right. I that's the biggest explosion that I so have been I, I, a part of. I find a couple of those a year. So is what it is, and we refer to them as super cubbies. But as what it is, is there's two, especially in years like this year, last year, when there's a, a, a lot of coveys per square mile, there's only so much suitable cover that they want to live in, and so two coveys just happen to be in the same bush, or they happen to like the same location. Um, it's probably, they're probably all related. You know, it's probably like that Irish family down the street that's got 18 <laughs> kids and 48 cousins, whatever. Uh, but so, and we seen it pretty clearly in that example yesterday, and you guys will see it on the TV show. There was two coveys in the bush. They went in all directions, but 
one cl- one clearly wanted to go to the north and the other one clearly wanted to go to the west. And so like a super covey, you're never going to find an, a a legit single family unit of birds that's over 20. Like the or well uh, I think the biggest biologically I don't think it can happen. The biggest uh hun clutch ever recorded was 22 eggs. So yeah. that'd be a covey of 24. Who recorded that? I don't know. Okay. Uh I I I doesn't I, matter. I heard it from a biologist so I just continue you to You just believe it. everything anybody yeah. says, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. Santa Claus is still real. Mm-hmm. Um but uh so in extraordinary circumstances say they had a 22 egg hatch and no no birds there was zero predation, no birds got hypothermic whatever you can see i see quite a few 18 to 20 bird coveys every year but occasionally when you find one of those super coveys 30 plus birds i mean you talk about pandemonium i mean like it's it's hard enough to focus on one bird when there's 12 or 14 or 15 that are getting up try doing it when there's 30 and they're going in all different directions it's the coolest thing yeah it is the coolest thing and it's why hunting for hungarian partridge is so Amazing. I was so thankful that we were able to get that particular covey, the, the, the quality of video that we got on that. We had mm-hmm. Daisy on point. Uh, Tucker had the find on that one. Jesse, my little year, 15-month-old setter, is backing beautifully. And then release the, the rocket. Here yeah. comes Minnie just, just coming through with, with blood in her <laughs> eyes, you know, and yeah. she runs through that bush. And oh. those Huns are like, oh, crap this is are you yeah i don't know what you are but this is not where i want to be anymore yes uh she was just a heat-seeking missile but i was so glad that we were able to show that because it is an uncommon occurrence to find a covey like that i mean you've been hunting them for quite a while i've kind of dedicated my life to hunting huns and trying to figure them out because they are a super special bird in my opinion but even i hunting you know 120 plus days a year you might get two or three of them a year a super coven. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it just—it's not common. But you just don't expect it, and when it happens, it—it it was like we all were just in awe for a moment. Well, I mean, the 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 real thing is like, how in the hell can there be that many birds in that bush? Yeah. Like there couldn't have been any room left underneath there. Well, it was a big one. Yeah. Um, let's get into what we know about these birds and how they move, and why sometimes people might not have success because they're hunting cover similar sure. to sharp tails in that. Let's say you get up early. Like for me, if I come out here, I want to be hunting from the moment I can legally hunt till the moment I legally can't hunt. Sure. And I get that your dog can be tired, but if the weather's good and you can pace yourself, like I just love to hunt. So I want to be out there. But what that can lead to is you're wearing yourself out and you're hunting an area where the birds will be. But they're they're not not right now. Because in the morning, they move out into the grain fields. Right. And we, we did in the evening get birds to hold tight in the we did in the stubble in wheat stubble but in the morning do you find that it's a different story we didn't hunt them in the morning in the right. wheat stubble but in the past it's pretty tough to get close to them yeah. in the morning yeah. in the wheat stubble what's the difference in so morning? uh the the difference is in the morning they're out in the grain but they kind of move out into the grain as a group so the whole covial and perfect example of what they do is one of the last coveys of huns on the walk last night that we had, Tucker pointed it, and he had he was pointing towards us, and we walk up there, and there's nothing. He was he's an experienced dog, and he was fairly sure. Then my puppy comes in where where Tucker was at. She rips a point, and she doesn't want to move. It's like there's birds here mm-hmm. somewhere. 
But is what happened is they were pointing where the birds had been 10 minutes ago, but they were walking up the, up the draw to get up to the grain field. We were only 50 yards away from a grain field. And so they're walking up when in the mornings, they all kind of move out of the cover together and they go up together. In the evenings, they do that as well, but we were hunting them, I mean, pretty close to last light. I mean, it was late in the evenings. So if you, if it would have been an hour and a half earlier, they would have all been together. But when they get out in those fields, they kind of start to split up and go and pick, pick grain on their own. So they can be scattered out over a 50, 60 yard area. With Huns, it's so fascinating. I don't know how they do it, but they got an internal clock. The second that one of them beats their wings, they, they all do. Yeah. Uh, in the evenings, when they're scattered out over, over a big area, it's like it messes with their internal clock. So when they're that far apart, they just, they'll just hold a little bit tighter. Sometimes very tight uh, to the point where you'll have those staggered flushes that are kind of uncommon in Huns. You'll have two and three go out, and then you'll be standing there with your gun open, and then four or five will go out the other way, and then two or three more. And it, it's just because they're scattered out over a bigger area. Like mm -hmm. when, when they're all right together in a, in a spot in a ball, once one goes, they all go. But when they're scattered, it just messes up with that internal clock a little bit. Sure. So they're out in the field. I don't know. Depends on the heat. Depends on the weather that day, obviously. But after they feed, they'll come back into the cover. Now that's time to really pursue them. Sure. You know? And if it's really hot, you know, we were just in Alberta hunting huns, and the heat was our friend, according to Perry McCormick up there, who's hunted huns his whole life. And that's kind of, <clears throat> you know, one of the strongholds of Hungarian partridge in North America is that Alberta area there. The wheat. That's, just, that's the reason why we have huns here. Yeah, they, they, it's, it's they took hold there. And those birds exploded in their population sizes, yep. kept spreading and moved south and moved east and yep. eventually made it down here. And that is why. But, um, but the, the reason that the heat can be your friend <laughs> sometimes is because it's shade. They like shade. Yeah. And that's what we seen yesterday afternoon. They were in those bushes for shade. Yep. And it's also cover from avian predators. Yep. Right? Yep. Um, so now you have objectives. You have you objectives. Can go to. Exactly. Yeah. And it does eliminate a lot of the country that they could maybe be in, mm -hmm. right? I mean, when uh, it wasn't very far into the walk at all yesterday evening where I was like, well, they're telling us where they are. They're in the bushes. Yep. And all the species, uh, pheasants, huns, and sharptails, they were all in the bushes. Mm -hmm. It was probably 67, 68 degrees, but, you know, it was nice and comfortable underneath there. They're in the shade. You know, 65, 70 degrees is still warm, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and so we have dogs that'll get out and run, and they're going to go, we're not going to tell them, go to that bush. Go to that. Like, they understand objectives, too. They're hunting, but they're covering a lot of that open ground as well just because they run so much. If you have a dog that stays closer to you. Say a lab or yeah, a let's cocker. Yeah, let's say a lab or, yeah, the cocker. If George just hunted the cocker, which we we did that in Alberta, too. We would have been fine. We would have been fine because we could have anticipated there were birds in the grass. We sure. we did find birds. The dogs pointed birds in the grass that weren't in the bushes. But there were a lot in the bushes. We would have done just fine with just a dog walking from bush to bush yep. and flushing birds out of them. For but, sure. Um, you know, it's 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 not that this country's too big for a close ranging dog. No, is what I'm it, getting. It's at. not. Yeah. I mean, you you just need to be realistic about how well you can cover it, and 
you know, if you're in one of those spots where you're walking, say, over a hill in between draws, just heal that dog. You know, I mean, wait until you get into the cover where it's most likely to succeed instead of burning up its energy in the spaces that you might find birds, but, you know, there's, they're going to be fewer and farther between. I'm, I'm always intrigued or not, maybe not intrigued isn't the right word, but I'm always, I don't know, maybe not even surprised. The birds in the afternoon are fat and they don't want to fly. Yeah. Your chances of getting a really close flush on hunts, just like the golden hour for pheasants. Yep. I mean, we had... We, we, the, let's see, the first day, I'll give an example. Dogs are running from grass through a cut wheat field, heading to more grass. And then, oh, there goes a covey that gets up, mm -hmm. you know. And if that was to been the evening, there's a good chance the dog would have just went on point right there. Yeah. When they smelt the bird and, and the covey would have held tight. Well, it's, it's just different in the evening. There's a lot of things in their favor in the evening. So typically it's starting to cool down. Um, the winds, if, if, at least here in North Dakota, if it has been a windy day, the wind starts to kind of die down towards the evening. Um, the The birds have had all day to lay scent around on the ground, so they can kind of they can kind of read the book a little bit, if you will. Like they can, like, well, this is old scent. This is old scent. This is old scent. Mm, getting closer, mm -hmm. you know, and they can kind of they can kind of start putting the pieces together a little bit more. Whereas within the morning, I don't really like hunting mornings. First of all, I like to sleep. I'm um, going to put that out there. Uh, but the first two hours of the morning, I'm not going to say it's a waste of time because it's not. Uh, I mean, anytime. I think if you're a pheasant hunter, sure, it's a good time to sure. be out. I mean, it's specifically uh, for pheasants, you can, there, you can do a lot of scouting in a hurry, if you will. Like, you can drive down a road and you can see birds in the field and you can drop a pin and say, okay, well, there's birds there. I'll come back here later. That's mm -hmm. the way that I do it for pheasants because the birds are out, they're feeding, you know. And there's not all cattail sleuths are created equal, as we know right. in the pheasant world. I mean, you can walk into one, there can be a hundred, and you can walk into the next one, there can be none. Um, so I I drive a lot of roads in the morning. That's the way that I like to spend my mornings, say from sun up until you know nine, ten o'clock in the morning. And I'll just drop pins on spots that I know there are birds because I've seen birds there. Then I'll go back and I'll hunt those spots throughout the afternoon when you will get the better dog work. Mm -hmm. um, now. It's not that way for the evenings. I love hunting evenings, uh, especially this time of the year um, in September when it's warm out. I'll hunt from, say, 10 o'clock until 1. By 1 o'clock, it's too hot. The dogs are tired. You've had time to make a really nice big loop, whatever it is. Go and chill out for the afternoon when it's 80. Crack right. jokes. Crack Sit jokes. Sit on the tailgate. Lay Eat some sandwiches. Eat a whole bunch of chips and trail mix and Dots pretzels and the whole. We had the Prairie Buffet out there yesterday. You want me to pull up the picture? I took a picture yeah. of the tailgate here. Let's right. see what we all brought out there. It was not all healthy. I tried to be better about my health this this year. And let's Travis see. is like a little. He's like a. He's like a squirrel preparing for winter at all times. <laughs> I mean, like every time he gets out of my truck, I'll find I'll I'll find some Mott's fruit snacks in there in well, November. That's, yeah, that's true. Good. Caramel Mountain Trail Mix. I have like four different flavors of trail mix. What are these? Oatmeal cream pie, cinnamon and brown sugar biscuit type things. Oh. This is a Ben Bredigan thing. It's like you gotta have this square bites. Ah, anyway, we got crackers. We've got. Lance wanted applesauce. <laughs> we got applesauce for Lance. Bags of chips, dots pretzels. Which, by the way, she sold. Yeah, to oh. Hershey. Well, good for her. Um, yeah, if, if they want to buy anything that I got for two hundred million dollars, they can have it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Oh, as I as I look here, I see all these walleyes that we caught too. Oh, we took a little break from the hunt 
the first day. Can, in... can we just wrap up on Huns for just? Oh a half yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, it, it, when we when we did when we did the Legends Walk, mm-hmm. uh, before we got out of the truck, uh, I I told you guys I said these birds are going to be in the wheat or within. I mean, they're they might be on the edge of the cover, but they're going to be at the very most 10, 10 yards or so into the cover, or they're going to be up to 150, 200 yards out into the wheat. Um, that's just, so their, their, their routine throughout the day, they eat in the morning, they're in the fields, they go back to cover, they're out in the fields later. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as the dogs got into that, into the draw, I was like, this ain't hunts. Like they're hunting pheasants, mm-hmm. which was cool. I yep. love watching pheasants fly, especially when, when you got two old dogs out there and let's let them have some fun. Yep. But I knew that we'd kind of been drawn into the spot that there weren't birds. Correct. And as soon as we got into the wheat field and up on the edge of that wheat field, boom, hun cubby, boom, hun cubby, boom, hun, hun cubby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the evening time for me is like my, bre- my bread and butter for hunts. I love hunting birds right across the wheat field or along the edges of wheat fields because you get that nice evening sun the gra- the the um the golden hour yeah i mean the the stubbles looks like it's on fire yep i mean it's it, like it's just glowing and you get these really beautiful moments of the white dogs out there or our dogs at least are mm-hmm. white but uh and so i i don't like the first two hours of the morning the rest of the day fantastic but you just kind of need to be aware of of what where they're at in their in their feeding schedule and if it starts to be you know it gets dark here at eight now if it's the last two hours of the day they're moving up out of that thicker cover as the day goes on and into that field and typically they're going to walk into there right which means you know when people look at an entire section of wheat well if there's a rock pile that they're in or some bushes and a little draw right you can you can usually expect to find them within 100, 150 yards of that cover. Yeah. So yep. if you have a dog and you work, you're walking the edge, and your dog is going to go out 200 yards. You know, let them do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're they're very likely to make, and the dogs will, the the birds will show the dogs where they are. I mean, like totally. the, the, like what their what their nose can tell just from running along an edge and catching a track and then they'll run the track a little ways and they're like nope that's old mm-hmm. and then they'll run the track the other way and they're like up oh, getting warmer getting warmer getting warmer birds uh trust them like just a hundred percent trust them when those dogs yeah. rip a point out in the middle of a wheat field don't be like uh no there's way. there's no right. way or get or, there get there yeah what we we had this saying this week uh with lance lance and i filmed up in alaska like 15 years ago with this outfitter and his motto was make a plan, stick with the plan, don't fall in love with the plan. That's right. That's <laughs> so right. we laughed about it because we would always leave the truck with a plan. The dogs would tell us otherwise right. and the birds would quickly tell us right. why. And then we'd say, all right, we're going to adjust. We're constantly uh, right. adjusting. And that's but, a beauty. But of- the other thing that I wanted to mention uh, to everybody that's listening is what the reason I'm, t- I'm telling you about the, the daily movements. Yes, it's to help you guys get more birds, but it's also to if we would have walked that spot yesterday afternoon and just walked the draw and then walked back out of there, we would have been like, there's no huns here. There's just pheasants. There's huns there. Lots Mm -hmm. of them. Mm -hmm. They're just not in that cover right now. Yep. And so if you're, if you kind of just get married, just like you're talking about, you know, don't get married to a plan when you're walking that thing. And if you see a, a covey of huns that flush out in the wheat field wild or whatever, 
that's where those birds are. You need to pay attention yeah. to where, even if it's a fail. You can put a pattern together really real quickly by paying attention to details. And I, people ask regularly, oh, uh, yeah, I'm heading out to this area. Where would you recommend? And I just say it can change by the day. By it can change by the week. And it certainly has changed since I've been there four years ago. Sure. There's been places where I went to and I had pins and I'm like, oh, this is going to be the bomb. Guys, get ready. Last time I saw it was here, there was 600 birds that got out of this section and there right. was 100 here, 20, blah, blah, blah. They were not in those places. Right. It changes. And you should want to figure it out on your own. Yeah. Or you should want to be able to go put those pieces together. That's the fun of the hunt. And there's nothing. If you don't want to do that, then just go to a, a preserve that you can walk and shoot right. regularly, continuously, because I enjoy eating the bird. I enjoy every part of it. But to me, overcoming that obstacle, finding, finding it and figuring it out and yep. putting together the pattern and then... Yep. Seeing it all happen, and that's a reward. There's nothing that's quite as rewarding to me as finding a brand new spot that I've never hunted before. Yeah, and that's like, what we did yesterday. Yeah, yeah. That's what was so cool. Yeah, You're like, yeah, I think I'll come back here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> First time I've hunted it all year. I mean, I've hunted that spot in the past, um, but I mean, in the past, there's times you walk it, you might move a covey of huns, you might move a few sharptails. Um, then there's other years, like this year, where you move six coveys of huns and i don't know 40 50 sharp tails and 40 50 pheasants and everything else mm -hmm. and it just you know we drop pins on maps on onyx to give us a starting point like we've had success here in the past let's go and check in on those spots but finding a brand new spot that you've never ever ever hunted before and then going out there especially like those guys last night at the bar that were the three brothers they got they had success this week mm -hmm. and they found spots all on their own. And now they have those spots forever. Yeah. And they're already, the first thing says, Oh, we're, we're, gonna, coming, we're coming back. back. They're already planning. It. They're already excited yeah. to come back too. you live in an unrealistic world. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. not what you have here is for people that are listening right now that enjoy upland bird hunting. Like I can't really draw up a much better place to come. Well, and that's why I'm moving and it's, in. And it's yeah, I I've, I mean, we would do well to to get you as a as a North Dakota resident. Finally, uh, I'm sure the game and fish are going to miss those non-resident license fees that you've been paying for 25 years. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, it's if you love the outdoors, um, just in general, whether it's upland bird hunting, waterfowl hunting, fishing for any kind of species you can. Think of tiger muskies, smallmouth bass, walleye, salmon, trout, whatever it is, panfish, perch. It's it's heaven. I mean, like mm -hmm. there, I'll never leave. Uh, I'll never move out of North Dakota. There's nothing that could ever make me move out of here. And the walleye fishing on Lake Sakakawea right now, we I I think it's top ten in I think in so. North America. I think so. I really do. the The amount of fish, the the quality, size of fish, the size yeah. of the fish out there. You've been hammering them all year long. Yeah. And we, we took a break from hunting, gave the dogs a rest, jumped in the boat with your buddy Roger Schumann, Schumann's guide service. Yep. And we went out and caught some fish. Who caught the biggest? Uh, Trav. Oh, uh, thanks he for did. that, he buddy. Did. And, and it was also the first. Mm. Nope, nope, nope. I caught one that was, the that was rough. rough. I caught the smallest. In Lake Sakakawea. It's, it's hard because mm -hmm. their mouths are so small. Like, it takes mm -hmm. precision to get that thing on a hook. Uh, but, so, we, uh, Roger is a. Yeah, he, he made a comment. Wow, we just weren't catching those earlier this year. I'm like, 
That's because that one was not even alive. It wasn't. Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that it, one yeah. was just born. Right. Yeah. It, 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 honestly, it probably grew up to that size over the course of a summer. Yeah. And it's just a good measuring stick of, of the health of the of the fishery. Is it? You're honestly not wrong. I mean, the, those fish will put on four inches a year. Like, what, what did we figure? A 14 inch out here was a two year old. Two year old fish. Yeah. I mean, and then you're talking the next year they're 18, 18 inches, inches, and yep. then the the four year old fish are going to be those 22 to 23 inches. Yeah, probably the amount of four to eight year old walleyes that you have yeah. in this system out here is the, the man. The game and fish do net surveys every spring, and the age class, the the biggest age class of walleyes in Lake Skakwea right now are those 18 to 23 inch fish. And a 23-inch walleye, which is about the one that you caught, uh, that was a fat fish. I mean, I'm sure that fish weighed four and a half pounds. Yeah, beautiful walleyes. This time of the year, my favorite way to fish them, which I I did, uh, was throwing a rapala jig and wrap. I mean, if you have the technology to see in front of you the live imaging or the, you know, the forward-facing sonars, I mean, you can see these fish out there. Even with side scan. Even a side uh, scan. Even with yeah. side scan. I mean, totally. you, like you could 100% see those fish on side scan. Uh, and for for you ladies out there that are listening, that's how Travis keeps his pipes in shape. I mm-hmm. mean, he doesn't he doesn't go to the gym and do curls. He does jig and wraps, man. Jig and wraps. I mean, he's just ripping that sucker. <laughs> he was up there, in the, or he was in the back of the boat yeah. casting that thing for three hours just nonstop. Yeah, I can't get enough of it. So I was telling you, like, we were initially going to take out my boat. Mm-hmm. Um I I got my guide's license this summer, and I bought a really nice new boat. Just or not new, but twenty twenty one. New to you? New to me. Um, pretty new. Beautiful uh, rig. Yeah, twenty one foot uh, nitro. Um, but I have never fished out of a boat in the month of September in my life because it's not fishing season for me. It's hunting season, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I don't know what they're doing right now. I mean, we could have figured it out. Um, we would have looked in the exact spot that we ended up fishing. Cause that's one of the spots that I always check. Um, and we would have been able to figure it out, but my buddy Roger is one of the best fishermen that I know. He's won lots of tournaments. He guides on Lake Sakakawea four days a week, all summer, and he can figure them out faster than I can. And when you're, when you guys were coming up here, we knew that we had that day was going to be the day that if we wanted to go and try to catch some fish, it had to be that day. And I mean, yesterday it was going to be breezy. Today it's rain. So it had to be that day. So I was like, man, let's just stack the odds in our favor and let's, let, let, let's, let's talk to Raj and let, let's, let's go out and, and get it done. And, you know, we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only downside to right now this time of the year is that there's not enough daylight hours. No. It, it just it goes so fast. It's time to start planning your next bird hunt. If you've listened to this podcast for any time at all, then you know where I'm about to send you. That's to North Dakota. Why? Well, it's one of the greatest places on earth to watch a bird dog in the field. That's why. In North Dakota, you can experience a waterfall hunt during the peak of the fall migration and have the best upland hunt all in the same day. I've done it many times. That's why I know it's true. Plus, this year, the spring pheasant crowing counts were up 30% from last year, and the weather has been looking good for a strong hatch. Water levels are up way up, which means the total number of wetlands are up too, 76% above the long-term average, and that means more ducks and geese. The state's breeding duck index was the 23rd highest on record this year, 39% above the long-term average at 3.4 million. All of this means more pheasants than last year, more ducks than last year, and I'm hearing excellent reports about the sharp-tailed grouse and Hungarian partridge too. 
Start planning your world-class hunt in North Dakota at HelloND.com. If you're an active outdoorsman or woman on the go, then odds are good that you have toys and equipment that you need to haul. Well, our friends at Aluma Trailers, they've got you covered. Their trailers are built by a hardworking team in Bancroft, Iowa, right here in the good old USA. They have models for all of your hauling needs, from ATV and UTV trailers to utility, snowmobile, motorcycle, car trailers, and even fully enclosed trailers like mine. Trust me when I say that Aluma Trailers tow gear like a dream. Their trailers are constructed out of lightweight, strong, corrosion-resistant aluminum, and they are 100% maintenance-free. Plus, they come with an industry-best five-year warranty. Visit alumaklm.com to find a trailer that fits your needs. The Onyx Hunt app is one of the most valuable hunting tools that I take into the field every day, and now that app is available in our vehicles. Yep, Onyx did it. They launched Apple CarPlay. That means when you plug your phone into your vehicle, you now have the option to open up the Onyx app right on the dash of your hunting rig. No more holding your phone while driving, which is obviously dangerous, and you get all of the same layers on your vehicle dash that you get on your phone. You can see the aerial view of your location while driving down the road, just like you'd see if you're using your own Maps, Apps, Waze, or Google Maps. Except now you can find out if the properties around you are open to the public. The landowner's name that owns the land. And if you're in North Dakota, you can see if that land is posted without even touching your phone. To use this feature, simply make sure your Onyx app is up to date. And if you're not an iPhone user, don't worry. Onyx is currently working on the same platform for Android phones too. Apple CarPlay, the latest incredible feature from Onyx Hunt. Always know where you stand and now where you drive with Onyx Hunt. The, the moral of the story is Lake Sakakawea is overflowing with walleyes right now. Yeah, I think that uh, it's certainly in the top 10. Uh, I mean, you can talk about basically any of the Missouri River reservoirs mm-hmm. are in such good shape. Fort Peck all the way to Oahe. Yep, and, for uh, sure. Yep, um, definitely. State records are coming out of here. It's getting broken every year. Every year. And so Roger told us a story about his buddy on Lake Sakakawea broke the record again he had it weighed at three separate three separate weigh stations and the game and fish wouldn't certify it until he drove it to bismarck and by the time he got it to bismarck he ended up missing out on the state record by two ounces oh man what is it the record like 16 pounds crazy big crazy big um this is a special place this is a year that if you have wondered about trying to see what this north dakota stuff is all about that you keep blabbing about why we love it so much what's it all about this is a year to try it and you Actually, know, maybe not because every every year is the year to it try is. it. I mean, yeah. like I, I, I was going to say maybe times. not because then you're for the rest of your life going to be like it's you're never be, as good as the first time. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, so this is a, a little bit of a side topic, but uh, it's it's relevant, I guess. So I was at my chiropractor's office, and they have a there's a, a outdoor magazine from north dakota you're kind of you're kind of high maintenance i really kind of am from chiropractor you're i got a massage to, you got a massage as soon as we leave damn right <laughs> uh so i mean hey you got to spoil yourself just like you do your bird dogs yeah uh but um there's a, a magazine here in north dakota called dakota country magazine great magazine um and they had and there's a section in there called a look back and they were talking about the 2003 upland hunting season and how epic it was um just for comparisons last year in north dakota we shot a roughly 300,000 rooster pheasants uh in 2003 i think it was 2003 or 2002 uh we shot 
almost 700,000 pheasants with less hunters. Um, and, but every year is a good year here. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, that's probably the most asked question. What are the bird numbers like? What are the bird numbers like? What are the bird numbers like? Mm-hmm. And, and to, uh, to an answer, it's always the same guys. It's North Dakota. There's always going to be birds here. Some years you're going to walk a mile and you're going to find a covey. Some years you're going to walk a mile and you're going to find five. Mm-hmm. But there's always going to be birds here, and it's always worth coming. Yeah, the the reports are Hungarian partridge are up 200 percent from last right. year, right? Tied with an all time high. All time high. Sharp tailed grouse are up 100 percent, 116, 116 percent, and pheasants statewide are up roughly 60 percent. And boy, did we see it! I mean, yeah, uh, across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't make a walk in the last two days where we didn't see 60, 70 birds. Yep. Uh, if that doesn't make you want to. Try hunting up here. I don't know what to, what else to say right. at this point. And so. the game and I can't give enough praise to our game and fish department for uh, the amount of information that they put out there. The plots program uh, that's adding more acres every year. Um, every place that we hunted in the last two days, we didn't hunt a single piece of private posted land. Mm-hmm. Every place that we hunted, you can hunt. You got to go find it. But we hunted a lot of plots land. We hunted some state trust land, and we hunted some private unposted land. Mm-hmm. I mean, there we're not we're not going to the the best of the best. We're not we're not uh, going. You to, held out. You have better. I do. Tyler I, Webster. Hey, hey, I wanted to make an every man's hunt. I don't want you to get spoiled. <laughs> uh, just like down Too in Arizona, I, I gotta I gotta punish you for a day before I take you to the good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. But we ended on a high. I probably put it in the. I mean, it's in the top. One of the top hunts all time. Just the amount of birds we saw, just the dogs, just yep. how how chaotic it was and everything flying by and, and coming out of the bushes, all the different bird species. It will definitely be one that I'll remember. It'll go down fortunately, yep, fortunately, everyone can watch it. Oh, I didn't even uh so I'm gonna I'm gonna say something and then I'll I'll uh have you uh see if if, if you can come up with a moment, but the, there was two really cool moments for me this week. The Legends Walk with the Old Man, which mm-hmm. we talked about. Super cool. Um, but I got a young setter puppy that uh, I was nervous about putting her down just because I knew that we didn't have, like, with the weather coming in today, like, usually when you come up, we film for three days. Mm-hmm. So there's some wiggle room there. But with the weather, I mean, it's getting nasty outside right now. It's 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 um, drizzling and it's windy and it's cold. Which, by the way, a covey of huns just landed <laughs> no. right over in my here yard. In your bush. Yeah. yeah, it went from one side of your yard to the other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, so I, I was a little bit nervous about letting Jesse out because she's young. I mean, she's been on some birds and she's been doing great. But when you're when you're short timing and you're trying to make sure that you got a TV show, mm-hmm. uh, it's a little bit stressful. We let her out of the truck yesterday, and and you guys will get to see the entire sequence, the way that it happened in the show. But we're standing there. And we're kind of going over the plan for, for this particular walk. And Jesse just runs 50 yards down and stacks up on point. It wasn't 50 yards. Yeah, 40, whatever it was. Yep. They were almost in range from where we, where we were parked. Yep. And we were standing there just chatting. And Jesse's like, you guys, can, in. you guys can chat all you want. I'm going to go and point these, these sharp tails. Mm-hmm. And she just stacked up on a beautiful point. And that's, that's got to be my favorite moment of the week. Really? I mean, just, just to see a young dog. Uh, do everything right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not one thing that she did out there yesterday that cost us a thing. I mean, she backed naturally. She pointed. 
She held her point. She had great bird manners. Mm-hmm. She had a chance to get into a porcupine, and she didn't. She chose not to. She uh, bless she, her. She uh, pointed a porcupine in a bush, mm-hmm. and I nicked her on the collar, and she backed right off. No quills, no harm, no foul. Mm-hmm. But she got that experience, and that experience is a valuable one for a young dog as well. So it's t- pretty cool. Yeah, I took a lot of things away. You mentioned the legends hunt. Just watching. Um, I think Daisy holding a sharp-tailed grouse on point in... It was super cool. ...in very little cover for five minutes, and then we get up there. And I didn't even shoulder my gun. And George took that bird. And George has worked with her, as I've talked about, for two, for, two, two yeah, and a couple years. years and, yeah. and I've learned so much from him. You and George are the reason why I have her. You, obviously, because your dogs made her. Yeah. But being able to hunt behind Bo and Rusty... And then for George and Boone and Tucker mm-hmm. and knowing like that's what I really want. That's what you and get. he helped mentor me along the way to work with Daisy because I took her out of the prairie and I had to really put a lot of restrictions on her yeah. and develop a, a relationship. I mean, she tolerates me, but she's one with the prairie, as we saw when she sat down there. Yeah. And to watch him go up there and take that bird off of a bird a perfect point. She goes in and grabs it, brings it back, and I hand it to him and and that's just something that'll stick with me. A lot of there's there was a the the chaos of all the action. It was hard to remember everything that was happening. There were so many birds coming up from different dogs on point at all times. We didn't go a couple minutes without having a oh, dog on point, dog on point, you know, but just that that true explosion, the thunderous wing beats that get up when that super covey got up yeah. in front of us. That'll be hard to forget. Um, Watch, well, the, the last sharp tail that you got yesterday for your limit, mm-hmm. it was cool for me and George to watch because uh, Lance was filming you for a long time, and then you kind of went over top of a hill, but it was like to watch, to have known you now for several years where you didn't have a dog and you you, you loved it. So your, your love of hunting has been ratcheted up about eight or ten notches. Yeah. Um, cause like there's, you're just a guy following his dog, you know, and you just went over there and all of a sudden we heard, boom, one shot. We see you kneel down. Here comes Daisy with a sharp tail grouse in her mouth. Like that was a pretty cool moment. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to get, it's not going to make good TV because Lance wasn't Th- there. That was my own personal moment. That was your moment. There, there are so many times when we're filming and depending on what's happening, like let's say Daisy's on point over here and mm-hmm. she's 200 yards away from the cameraman and you guys have dog about like I'll go over there and I know she's doing it right right and I'll flush a bird and not take a shot because I don't want to if I can shoot three that's my limit mm-hmm. I'm not going to go and, and take three over there when the camera's right. not right not a part of it we're here to film the tv show so I always have that side of it in my mind and I pass on opportunities that I want others to get or whatever right. it might be. But that one, I was just a little selfish. And I said, you know, what? I'm going to go over there. And she did it right. Well, and, and you knew you are, we already had the show. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you get a moment for yourself. Yep. I the, took the, I the, took the, that moment, just her and I over 100%. there. I wasn't showing a camera the bird. I no, wasn't doing any of that. It was you and your dog. Just me and my dog. And I try my best to separate that a little bit during the filming. It's just hard. those little moments. Just have those yeah. moments. And, yeah. and just taking those moments where she'd stand next to me and we both are looking out, just pausing every once in a while. We did a good job yesterday of pausing mm-hmm. and sitting down mm-hmm. and just, just laughing together, just but also just enjoying that view that we're up on top of the, the hills looking across it all. And 
just taking it all in, man. Yep. And it is a special thing. And I really appreciate oh. everything that you do when you open this up to us. But also, like we, we with Josh Harbolt and his yep. brothers yesterday, that we got to meet. You know, what I mean, it is having an effect on other people's lives. So someday you and I will look back and say, man, how cool. Yeah, it, I mean, how like cool. it's it's building that community mm-hmm. and and helping people have the kind of experiences that you and I have been lucky enough to have for years. Mm-hmm. And whether they share it with with us on TV or if they listen to the podcast or hopefully they come out here and try it on their own, they get to make their own memories. That's like that's our responsibility. Like mm-hmm. we've been lucky enough to be given an opportunity to help people try to figure this stuff out. It's our job, man. Like we have like that's what we have to do to give back to the sport that we love. Totally. And I apologize. I've been on the road now for the last eight or nine days. And, and I know there's a lot of messages. That I haven't responded to, yeah. I will. And I think maybe one of these next shows, it'll just be like a viewer or listener uh, segment where we just answer questions. Sure. And I hope people, if you're still listening and you're interested in coming out to the live show, we also have another live show coming up in October. October 12th, we're doing a, a show in Sioux Falls, South Dakota with Onyx. They have a big deal out there to announce a lot more public land that they're working on opening up. Awesome. So we're going to celebrate that with Onyx and Pheasants Forever October 12th. I don't have the details with me right now. I just know it's coming. They may have already announced it. If you check your email from Onyx, you might have already seen it. So a couple live shows. Hunting season's here, man. It's a good one. This is a good season. It's good everywhere. It's good everywhere. Bring your friends out that don't get to hunt. They get to see what it's like. You're going to inspire more people to come up. This is the time to do it. Bring your kids, bring your wife, bring your friends, bring their friends along too. And And literally from, from every place in Western United States, West of the Mississippi river, Mm -hmm. I'm hearing good reports from Oregon and Washington and Idaho and Montana and Nevada and Utah and North Dakota and South Dakota and and Nebraska and Kansas and Oklahoma. And like there's birds all, this is a Mm -hmm. year. Yep. The good old days are here. That's right. Enjoy it, everybody. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Flush Podcast. And Tyler will be back with another episode of the Birds, Booze, and Buds Podcast. And I just want to put this out there, mm-hmm. but Pheasant Fest in Sioux Falls, me, you, Ben, maybe George Lyle, live podcast at Pheasant Fest. Ooh. It's March. It's a long ways off, but yeah. we got to make it happen. You're going to show up this time? I'll be there. I won't believe so it till it, I see it. It was so nice of Pheasants Forever to take my pool schedule into account when they <laughs> scheduled this Pheasant Fest right, because right. last year I had to miss out and I was so bummed because everybody was sending me pictures and everything else and yeah. I was just like, oh, I want to be there. Well, well, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, buddy. I'll be there. All right. See you.